If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And a very warm welcome. Yes, and of course, because it's summer, it is a warm welcome. Yay! Yay. And a warm welcome to Gary Goodwin from Life is a Garden. Thank you so much. And it's always awesome to be here. But you always make everything feel like spring, even if it is summer, because you're just so happy and so glad about things that are going on in your garden and in the garden shops and everything like that. I was going to say, I can't wait. This year, what we're looking at, or towards the end of the year now, but going into next year, is instead of the horrible pests, we're looking at eco-warriors in your garden. Ooh. And I like that idea. I think there's so many beneficial insects that we kind of forget about them and we just group all insects together. Yes. You know, if it's a spider, we don't think, oh, there are beneficial properties to a spider. We just think, how soon can we get it out the house? Or, I mean, I know at the moment we're having terrible problems with flies. I don't think I'm no. the only one. No, and the whole of our <laughs> suburb as well. We have it coming up. Have, has anybody else in the area got an issue with flies? What are we supposed to do with them? Yes, maybe attract some spiders. Then they would the flies would get stuck in the spider's webs, mm. you know, and form soup, food sources. Or go and get a Venus flytrap, and it, okay, it won't catch a lot of flies, but it will catch one or two flies a month that you can use, and it, or you can watch it digest, and it's a lovely gift for your kids or something to keep I them amused fly swatters those are the way to, that's the way to go fly swatters because then it's not kind of like a widespread thing it's very selective and you can chase it around the house and get some exercise at the same time okay fly swatters too but then what life as a garden was talking about which i thought was incredible was dragonflies oh yes the hunters of the, do you know and this is something that came up in a, in a quiz question i'm always playing quizzes and it says what is the most effective predator in the world and they i think they had like crocodile and lion and cats and dragonflies and i think nobody even went for the dragonfly (laughs) i could imagine dragonflies are the most successful predators on earth that's amazing yeah yeah so they actually love to eat the mosquito larvae so if you've got that little pool of water they love fresh water so if you've got a pool of water you're going to see some dragonflies the reasons that are there are they actually eating your mosquitoes so you know don't i want to say don't go and spray all that stuff that we spray in our rooms and even on our bodies sometimes to get rid of the mosquitoes rather try and put a little pool of water or a bucket just outside a window so that the dragonflies could come get the mosquitoes get attracted to that area and outside your house i think it's all about thinking out the box and how to manage the pests in your garden Mm. you know so but the story with the dragonfly was originally St. George that's a Romanian story he was busy um, fighting a war and he lost and they blamed it on his horse and so his horse was cursed and thrown up into the sky to become a giant flying insect and then this giant flying insect which was known in Romania as a devil horse actually then became in English known as a dragonfly so it was just a very bizarre story. Because isn't St. George the one who went and tackled the dragon as well? Yes. Killed the dragon? Yes. He slayed the dragon. Yes. Okay. So that's one should why never do that. Dragons are good. Dragons <laughs> yeah. are fantastic. Do not slay the dragon. Be a dragon tamer. Exactly. Or don't slay your dragonflies. You know, they are very, very beneficial. Mm. And I think we all have stories or childhood memories, even Gavin was telling us now, 
of his childhood memories of the dragonflies bouncing on the water of our swimming pools. Yes. And, you know, yesterday my mum and I, we were busy feeding the swans and we've got a whole lot of tadpoles, which I was really excited about. But then again, on the water as well, there was the dragonfly and they come in such vibrant, vivid colors, yes. you know, that luminous blue and iridescent reds. And oh, I just think they are gorgeous to have in the garden. And so for me, it makes our garden multidimensional. So it's not only the plants that you have in the garden, it's what other activities you can see happening, whether it be by a pool of water or, you know, and I think this time when people are, you know, schools are breaking up soon and there's going to be holidays, is to try and actually let your kids and yourselves and your grandparents and the whole family go and explore if it's a garden or a local park and look for the weird and little things that you might be able to find. You know, so um, that's what I really love about life being a garden. <laughs> Indeed. And I mean, one thing, though, I've, I've noticed is that uh, there's been, as we know, a proliferation of various groups on things like Facebook and social media of like seasonal gardening in South Africa and yes. vegetable gardening and living seeds and all of these different things. Yeah. But the one of the birds, bugs and bees and other little small critters <laughs> and the amount of people who are putting, and I hate it when I see spiders come up because I have a big issue. I don't, I don't do anything bad to spiders okay, because yeah. I like spiders, but yeah. I don't want to see them. <laughs> so it's just a, it's a, a visual phobic thing. But um, they, they often, the most often what comes up is about ladybirds and which is the one, which the harlequin, how do you tell the difference between the harlequin and an, a good ladybird? Because yeah, of course the harlequin, beneficial. the harlequin eats the good yes. ladybirds. Yeah. So I'm hoping I'm going to get it correct because I haven't had the question for a while. Yeah. Is the harlequin one is generally, it's got a lighter color. So it's not the vivid peach, uh, like it's a peachy color rather than the orange or the red or the yellow. It's slightly different in color. And I want to say the spots on it are not 100% formed. When I've seen them on the plants, mm. I want to say you can almost visually see that it doesn't look like the ladybirds that we grew up with. Um, but maybe that's because I look at a lot of plants. But it's a slightly, it looks like an insipid version. It's similar to the different um, wasps and bees that we get. So, you know, you get the honeybee, which has got that bright yellow and the black. And then when you go and look in your garden and you find other bees, not to say that they're all harmful or non-beneficial, but they just don't look like a honeybee. They've got like more pale and white and stripes skinny. or the thinner stripes. Yes. And often you don't actually see them or when I've looked, found them in the gardens. I haven't seen them with a lot of pollen on their legs. No. Like the honeybees you can see are desperately trying to find as much pollen as they can at the moment. I mean, I think they're also, you know, getting ready for a festive feast. Whereas a lot of the other bees that we find in the garden, actually, when I'm looking around at the moment, what we found quite a lot in the garden centers is wasps that are trying to actually, I think, either get water from our flowers or I can't think that it's not a pollen, but there are definitely a lot of wasps around our plants, which I've normally only found them in the woodwork and, you know, in the crevices by a door trying to form a nest rather than actually on the flowers. Yeah. So I think even our insects are adapting to this new change that we have. And I think the more beneficial insects you can have in your garden, like maybe a bee hotel, fresh water for your dragonflies, you know, even... You know, if you have a pond, the uh, bird bath, mm. is you put a stick in it so that your lizards can go up and down the stick and they don't get. And the frogs. I mean, my mum and dad were trying to fish a frog out of one of the swan <laughs> ponds this morning, and I'm thinking it likes it in the pond, but it needs to be able to get, get out. out. So again, we have yes. to actually 
put a stick in the pond so that the frogs could get out the ponds. And you also need something in the ponds that the bees can get out because they yes. come down and once they're on the water, they can't take off again, unlike yeah. a lot of other insects. But yeah, the predatory insects are the interesting ones. Um, I love <laughs> watching them. But then this is the best time because we have a smorgasbord of all mm. kinds of wonderful veggies and flowers and things for all the other nasty new news to come in. And of course, it's the time of the year when you're going to be seeing those horrible little yellow and black not bees, but... The shaper beetles. Well, that's the rose beetles. No, the normal other beetles. Yeah, stink bugs. Not just stink bugs, the worm. <gasps> Lily yes! borers. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. And actually, we had them in our cliviers. Yeah. We had to take out some of our cliviers because they just decided the worm had gone right into the heart. Mm. And um, so well disguised, actually. Normally, you know, they give you a bit of a chance and you can see them in the leaf. Yes. And then they go down into the heart and turn it all to mush. But actually, now they were right in the heart already. I was like, give us a chance. Give yeah. us a sign that you yeah, were here. Step on you, yes. <laughs> so I was, because normally you could just, you know, cut off the leaf, that part of the leaf that's badly infested. Yeah. yeah. But um, sadly, we had to turn to some pesticides because I, we didn't do integrated pest management, oh, yeah. which would have been a really good idea because I know there's some really amazing biologicals that you can use in your, if, especially if you're in your gardens, to control the worms. Like what? Margaret Roberts has a fantastic biological caterpillar. It's, yeah, it's Margaret Roberts yes. caterpillar spray. But the challenge when you're using biologicals is that you can't, if you don't use them consistently, and then you decide, okay, well, now I can see that the clivia is dying because the worm has managed to get in. It's too late, and then you go and use a chemical, which means in theory you're actually going to kill the biological that you put down three months ago but forgot to keep the maintenance up. Mm. So... um it is fascinating for me that it, there is, you know, integrated pest management is really important and it is the way we should all be moving mm. is to try and see how we can best use the beneficial pests to maintain the horrible pests that we have in our garden or to keep them under control. And then similarly, try not to use as many chemicals. Obviously, there are certain times when you just pull your hair out and you say, okay, you have to go. Like you know? with a lily borer, yes, yes, you're going to need to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, um, but it is, yeah, there's a lot of things on the market. And if you visited your local garden center, they would be able to give you the best advice mm. on trying to get rid of them at which stage they might be in your garden. And I mean, they do. They're going to love all your clivias. They're going to love all your lilies, all those arum lilies that are starting to flower now. Agapanthus yes. even get hammered. And, but amaryllis were the ones the one year they just went, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. And my amaryllis are all starting to come out at the moment, which is absolutely oh, wonderful. I love them. They oh, no, just remind me of the festive time. You know, oh. those reds and whites and the double flowers. and oh, Except gorgeous. fireworks came out in September. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're a bit early this year, dude. What are you doing? But uh, it, it is nice to see that people are asking what is a different way of me being able to get through this and I get really irritated though and especially when it comes to herbicides I've got this clover growing in my lawn I'm like well frankly I'd rather have the clover than the lawn but you know leave it as it is <laughs> but no you want to get rid of it so people say oh you must use a broad leafed um, weed, uh, killer. weed yeah. killer and then people is going ban weed and I'm like no 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 <laughs> You're just going to kill your soil. Why would you do that? But I can understand it's very frustrating for people who want to have a green desert in their garden. You know what a green desert is, of course, huh? A lawn. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, I, I want to say it's a bit of a catch-22 because when I look at the felt at the moment, mm. is that, you know, we have all that beautiful purple verbena. Verbena, which is an which invader. It, yes, which is really it looks gorgeous. You've got this purple carpet along the roadsides that you drive. And, you know, soon we're going to have the beautiful um, 
Pinkweed, no. Pinkweed coming through as well. Both of which look amazing. We as humans have, you know, we pick the pinkweed and we put it in a vase at home and we bring it to urban places where then it gets into a park and everything. And the same with the verbena. I think it was probably somebody thought it was really nice, took it somewhere, planted it. And what it's actually doing is slowly taking away the grazing mechanism, well, the grasses, because the grasses can't compete against these beautiful carpets of color. Mm. That um, And so you're losing grazing for your animals. And then it does become essential to either try and, you know, put your back into it and manually take out Dig all the out. weeds. <laughs> yeah. Dig it up. <laughs> or you do have to, unfortunately, sometimes revert to broadleaf killers mm. just to be able to give the jar the grass which is going to look beautiful in you know i always think the grass inflorescence well actually looking beautiful already already yeah. but by february march they are looking absolutely incredible you know all that eric rust's curvula it's kind of like that blowing in the wind oh. feeling that you get and so you know you have to be able to control these invasive weeds and sometimes it is a plant is and an invasive plant is something that you really don't want but i would say that the first option would always be if it's small try and catch it when it's small dig it up manually rather than trying to use any pesticides mm. and if you haven't caught it fast enough then you can revert to stronger or more desperate measures yeah but you don't want to be poisoning your soil for the world to come and don't forget of course every bit of poison you put into your garden goes down into the groundwater so an accumulation of poisons into the groundwater over years and years and years is certainly not a great idea yes hopefully they break down though over a certain amount of time so i, I don't think it's always possible mm. depending on which pesticides you are using but most of them do have a lifespan as soon as they put into the environment. So, you know, we have people who will bring us back their pesticides after 10 years and say, this is sat in my cupboard and I've never used it. And what must I do with it now? And we'll say, no, we'll take it back and dispose of it ethically, mm-hmm. which is actually keep it in the bottle and try and use it when we need it. <laughs> but as soon as you put it out into the environment, the lifespan of the actual pesticide itself is generally, depending on which one, Mm. is quite short because it gets broken down by the elements. So either on the exposure to water, it would break down into something that's very simple, um, or an exposure to air or exposure to light. You know, that's why many of them are in dark bottles. Yeah. So I think it is, we do have to be careful because we definitely are polluting our groundwater. But with any pesticide or any medication, if you take it for that matter, as long as you're using it properly, and using the correct concentrations, the harm that you would do to the environment should be very, very minimal because it's just supposed to do, you know, don't indiscriminately go and spray yeah. your whole garden because you've got one arum lily that's got a lily borer on it. Go so, and squish the lily borer. It's yeah. always like, it feels so satisfying. <laughs> yeah. But the whole thing is that, I mean, for me with products, I'll go and see what kind of experimentation they've done on mm. how long it takes to break down in the yes. environment. And I mean, it all came to a head for me with the shot hole borer and looking with the people that I was working with, having looked at how long various things take to break down and whether they're going to pollute the groundwater. And we had water research engineers working with us as well, which was yeah. fantastic. Oh, brilliant. So it's lovely to know yeah. how, how dangerous things are to the environment, not just to the things that are eating your plants in the garden. Yes, anyway, so absolutely. That is our eco-warrior <laughs> message yes. for the day. Right, okay. Okay, so we're going to save the dragonflies though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but then if we get on to now is the time for festivities and parties and that sort of thing. Do you think people uh, are going to be partying? this year after this year that we've had or do you think they're just going to go bigger and stay home I'm hoping they're going to go bigger and stay home Mm. but you never know I think it's just a time for relaxing enjoying your garden 
but then also what, seeing what you can use in your garden. Because I don't think a lot of people might be going to your malls and that sort of thing. I think people want to be outdoors and in the fresh air and, you know, that type of thing. So they're looking for things that they could use in their garden, maybe to make beautiful Christmas trees. Mm. Um, and one of my favorite, favorite, and I think it's so understated as a plant, is the Salix macronata. Is, that's the one the, that's got the curly stems. Yes, hey? like the Cape curly Willow. Branches. Yes, so, so you beautiful. find it a lot along, you know, water courses or where people are trying to prevent water from coming into their homes and that sort of thing. It's a, a good water guzzler. It's not one but, of the invasive. It's not no, 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 it's an indigenous plant. So we would have the willow, which is the invasive, but then the Salix macronata is a water guzzler that's indigenous and I want to say beneficial if you're having a water problem. You know, yes. you don't want to put it somewhere where it's hot and dry. It wants to be near a water source of, to keep it healthy. Well, it's one of those plants you can break off a branch and stick it into water and it grows. Yes. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I did that with my kids and, and they were like, whoa, look at this. Yeah. And it's so soft and bendy. So I think, you know, to be able to make Christmas wreaths would be incredible. I mean, I always think that once when you go to all the Christmas markets, which I see they are going to have some this year, is they do it often with succulents is making Christmas wreaths. But that's a lot of hard work because you have to have the chicken wire and then you put the succulents oh, no. into the chicken wire. And it's I can't even do I mean, I've got <laughs> a couple of boxes where I've been growing and uh, trust me, after three years, I'm still trying to get these things to fill in. It, they yes. are That's a mission and a half, yeah. really. So I think go and look in your garden for what you could use as, you know, to make decorations with. Mm. Even our um, Christmas trees, you know, it's very difficult to get living Christmas trees in South Africa, the ones that you watch on all the movies. But there's such beautiful indigenous plants that you could use. So the one is Gardenia fulkensiae, yes, which is the indigenous gardenia. So it's still got that beautiful white fragrance flower. But it's ideal for, it doesn't look at all like a Christmas tree, but it's got little spikes. It's quite a spiky plant mm. or tree. And so it's ideal for hanging ornaments on. And it's got a beautiful gray green foliage and a almost a whitest bark. Mm. So I, oh, it's my, one of my favorites. But you know me, I love all plants. And then the next one was the Podocarpus, which is a yellow wood. And I mean, but you would use the Henkelii for that one. That's so nice. No, not the not the Falcatus because that that's a bit stands up too much. And you want the one with the drooping leaves. Yes, yeah. So that's also a really lovely one, and it still has that Christmas shape. And you know what I like about it is that you can actually go and plant it into your garden, or go and plant it into a local park afterwards if your house is too small. So I also think we have to think out the box. I know when we were growing up, we, we've probably got five Christmas trees in our garden because <laughs> once we'd finished with it, we used to go and plant them in the garden. Yes. And so that might be the thing that people start doing is looking at well, how you can reuse what you use now. So you, you know the thing with plants is that they live in gifts. Mm. So keep them living, keep them passing on, whether it's to go and plant in your local park. or And you'll always have it there as a, a memory of, oh, this is, was from Christmas 2020 when you, you know, bring your kids back 20 years later and we planted this tree here yes so i think trees have a very special thing and especially at this time of the year when you just want to be with family and friends and reasons to celebrate maybe in small groups not big groups and when it comes to small by the way um (laughs) just remember the podocarpus the yellow wood is not a good it's not a good tree for a small garden, although some no. people will say there is one variety. I can't remember. It's not the Falcatus or the Henkelia. It's another one. I have seen so them. Latifolius. Latifolius, yes. which doesn't get as big as those. But 
everybody says, oh, maybe the the fake one, you know, you can put that one in and it won't get that big <laughs> in a small garden. Trust me, it's like 35 meters tall. In, yeah. a, in a townhouse garden, that's going to be a bit of a push. Yeah. So if you are going to get a yellow wood, don't plant it out into your garden if your garden is really small. It is not a good tree for a small garden. I don't no. care what people say. I was going to say, I don't understand where that story or rumor came from. It might be because they're such slow they're growers. Slow growers, yeah. But I mean, we had a customer and he sent me a photo of his yellow wood, which at the time was in a courtyard. Mm -hmm. And it's now like almost double the size of the house and slowly starting. He's like, Lifting what the do painting, I do? Knocking and the walls like, down. You have to take it down. He's like, oh, but it's been a part of our house for so many years. It's going and to be <laughs> your house soon. Yes. And I was just devastated at the thought that somebody planted it in the wrong place 20, 30 years ago. And now this guy, he's just, you know, he's come to love the plant because basically every window you look out in the house looks onto this wonderful yellowwood. He's going to have to chop it down and create a beautiful bird bath or something yeah. on top of it instead. But yeah. that's what you have to do because, yeah. I, I, I keep on thinking, oh, people are going to be going away for Christmas and I know that they've got the wrong plant on the verge. <laughs> While they're away, I'm going to go dig it up and go and plant it somewhere where it's better. But no, yeah. I'm joking about that. Please don't do that. It's already started with the pavement plant thieves have already started around no. Johannesburg. They, are, they, you, they come along and they just take all the plants, they dig them up <gasps> out of your garden. I can't believe that. Yep. I mean, I always thought plants were for sharing, but not sharing their beauty in the place that they are. Not well, our dear, them out and our dear friend them Michael Rickoff has had that on his yeah. verge when he came outside and these people were just digging up his, he had clivias and agapanthus and they were just yeah. coming and taking them. He says, hey, you know, what that's, you that's not actually cool. Those are my plants. Oh, well, they're in a public place. <gasps> I swear to God. No. Yeah. Oh, I would so have thought don't that, do that. Yes. No, please. That's not really right at all. No. But then other plants that we go back to would be like your edible plants that you're going to be used in your cocktails, in your <gasps> party plants. <laughs> party plants. Yes. So the first one that they talk about is mint. Oh, great for all cocktails. Absolutely. And for roast lamb. <laughs> and there's a chocolate mint that you can get, which is ideal for liqueurs. Which you would love, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Apple mint for also for cocktails and yes. different sorts. Then they talk about spearmint and peppermint. Well, yeah, peppermint is one of those ones that fantastic for making tea and it's completely different to all the other mints. You get the wild mint, African yes. mint and spearmint, which I've got in my garden and then also the ordinary mint. Yeah, garden mint. Yeah. And then there's, I don't want to say it's a new one, but I think it's a really understated one, is the Vietnamese mint. Oh, yes. It's, and it's quite a, it's called the hot mint. And you can use it for anything, like for stir fries and the small, you know, the young leaves are probably the more potent ones. To me, it's lovely because it's got those like purple and green in the leaves. And it's actually pretty hardy because I know I was looking after one for my cousin once and it was still in a little 12 centimeter pot because she used to keep them on her windowsill. Yes. And needless to say, after two weeks, I think I also went away and forgot about it. I came home and it was looking very, very sad. So I said, you know what, I'll get you a new one. I'm just going to go and plant this one that looks like has four leaves left on it in my garden. And, and the next thing, it came out beautifully. And now it's still thriving in my garden. <laughs> but mint <laughs> As a does wonderful that. ground cover. Yeah. yeah. But mint, of course, you need to keep it under control. You can't just plant it anywhere <laughs> because like it will go completely mad and go take over the entire area. I've got yes. like different mints growing in different places, but it's very much contained. Yeah. And they like a bit more water. Yeah. You know, they're hungry plants. They like a bit more food. And so that's probably why they try and make friends with everyone along the way. And take <laughs> all the people's food away from them. Yeah. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> so do can keep them contained. But it is, it's a really lovely plant to have in your garden because it's just so versatile. Yeah. And I mean, if you are really getting frustrated with 
the bugs and the pests, you could always just also take a handful of that and brush it over your windowsills, mm. you know, and that scent will also keep certain insects away and repel them. Well, you can use the citronella nice. for that as you well, could which do is the actually the lemon-scented uh, pelargonium. Yes. Mine's yeah. gone completely mad. And my mint one, I've got a mint smelling, a peppermint, <gasps> peppermint pelargonium. Oh, wow. Which is, and my cats, they, trust me, they're not interested in catnip. Yeah. I bought this and they've decided this is their Christmas present. Boy. <laughs> These cats roll in the stuff. They come in smelling absolutely divine. It's oh, so nice. Oh, that is wonderful. And then they're going to keep, if they jump on your bed and sleep with you at night, then they keep all the bugs away from your bed. Absolutely. What a bonus. Yeah. So <laughs> cats are not the worst predators on earth. Those are the dragonflies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they talk about dill, which is also a really lovely plant to have. And I think a lot of people, when they're thinking of eating healthier, you know, they don't have as much red meat and they go for fish. Yes. So dill with fish. Mm, <laughs> yes. That, that's, that's what I associate with, with the lemons <laughs> off your own tree as well. Yes. And the lemons should be coming out if you have a Eureka yeah. lemon. You know, they're also doing really nicely. And little Kilimondons are doing, oh, I, was, I almost think those are decorations themselves. I think your fruit on your trees, like your apricots, your peaches, we spoke about last time. But those are the decorations on the trees already. You don't have to go and decorate those trees because they're full of fruit, yeah. which is beautiful red colored or orange colored decorations. Rosemary, uh, you know, that's just... For your braai. Yes, for your braai. And everybody should have rosemary because it's really a hardy plant. You can have it with your um, roast veggies. So if you're vegan or vegetarian. Roast you know. potatoes. Oh, my goodness. They are the only thing you can use with a roast potato when you're boiling oh, with roast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and if, if you're not a vegan or a vegetarian and you are making spaghetti bolognese, it is one. Everybody thinks, ah, spaghetti bolognese, we've just got to put in basil and oregano. No, no, no. You put rosemary in for that wonderful taste. That's a proper, proper bolognese. With rosemary. Oh, okay. Not. I'm going to try that because I actually had ventured into the kitchen and made bolognese oh, once this year. So far. <laughs> <laughs> you know, lockdown changed all of us in certain ways. <laughs> you learned to cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one meal at least. <laughs> so, um, but the, yeah, the rosemary was a really lovely one. And then they started talking about the different plants that we could have in our garden that are looking good. And one of my favorite is penstemon. I think it's quite an underrated plant. Yeah, it's beautiful. Those big spires of yes. plant, flowers and different, uh, all those wonderful pastel colors. You oh. took the words right out of life as a garden's mouth. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yes. Did I? laughs> they talked about the spires of the penstemon, which I thought was fantastic. And it's all those pinks and reds colors. Yes. And then one that is also quite underrated, or it's, I want to say relatively new. I've only known it for about three years is the tall flowering lobelia, it's called lobelia fan or lobelia cardinalis. So it's got that dark leaf mm. and then that bright red flower at the top, which actually, really looks gorgeous. When we came into to one of your colorfuls, yes, and that was one of the plants I was talking about because I hadn't seen it either. And with yeah. that almost like a burgundy leaf, yes, yes. with the red flower. And I yeah. was like, this is a lobelia? Really? It's I thought lobelias are blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's quite a strange looking plant you're almost cross between a salvia yes you know, i think when you first look at it you think oh it's a salvia and it's actually one of the tall flowering lobelias which is really nice because you want some tall flowering plants in your garden and then if all you know push comes to shove and you can't find a flower shop then you go and pick them and put them in your vases mm. to make sure that you have a really nice festive inside and outside so i really quite like the lobelia as well for yeah. those nice warm colors then if we're going back to what alternatives to christmas trees you could look at things like your cupressus. So it's no longer indigenous, your gold crests. Yes. So those I think you're going to find in every supermarket, every garden center, in every different size. You know, they come 30 centimeter, 40 centimeters, up to a meter type yeah. of thing. 
So those are really beautiful. And even, I know conifers are, I mean, so out of fashion, <laughs> but their foliage is beautiful in terms of being able to use in different decorations. So whether it's a wreath or in a vase, they have long lifespan. They've also got that kind of a, I want to say eucalyptus, a smell, mm. you know, when you break a conifer off and they're long lasting. So they should be also something that you have around or you ask your neighbor if you can borrow some to just put into your different festive blossom flower engines that you might be making. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not one for <laughs> Christmas and I'm not doing any Christmassy things this year. I have to be honest. I'm staying in Johannesburg, yeah. which is my usual, because Johannesburg is just the best place to be oh, over Christmas yeah. season, honestly. I agree completely. And I think uh, hopefully that the, the roads won't be too busy. <laughs> because they've got really busy up till now. My goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, and f people seem to have forgotten how to drive during <laughs> lockdown. Please, yeah. people, learn how to drive again. Goodness oh, me. What a traffic light is in a stop street. Yes, stop street. <laughs> it is a full stop, not a comma. No, we're not talking about driving now. We're talking about plants, but right? I think, you know, it could, they could be like me. I think a lot of people would say, I'm not... Um, not don't know how to drive properly. It's because I'm just admiring all the beauty that around is around us when we're busy driving. Yeah. So I'm driving really, really slowly and I'm looking at everybody's pavements and the trees that are going over the fences and the walls and the climbers that have come up and the bougainvilleas and the jacaranda yes. trees. You know, and I'm thinking I don't really care that I'm driving badly because I'm admiring everything that's around us. You don't want me coming up behind you. <laughs> and the fact that it takes me like an hour to do what most people would do in 20 minutes is just, I just think there's is so much to see. And I think that's what we should be doing is slowing down at this time. Maybe you're not yeah. celebrating Christmas, but, and you may be not being able to share it with friends and family because we are still in COVID, but just take the time to relax and enjoy all that's around you. Um, and as I say, whether if you're in an apartment and you don't have the facilities of a garden, go to a local park, park. or somewhere like that. Take, or to you a might take or someone to a with you. Or to a nursery. Yeah. Yet sometimes the nurseries might be safer. Maybe not on your wallet, but safer in but terms of what might happen in a park. <laughs> if you intend driving around as slowly as Carrie, here's a great idea. Put an L plate on the back window. <laughs> So people think you're a learner driver and they'll leave you alone, okay? <laughs> we had a staff member that did that. She said to me, I don't drive very well and I'm not very confident yet. And she's been driving for 10 years. So she says, I just put an L on the back and people are very, very forgiving. Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> so I think I might have to do that too. <laughs> I can well understand that. So what else so, have we got in life in the garden? Um, I mean, obviously, um, I know that you did say, let's not mention this because it's not a South African thing. I mean, it is a South African thing that we appropriate everybody else's thing, especially when it comes from America. Yeah. Yeah. Like with Halloween and Black Friday and all of those things and Thanksgiving. And I mean, I've got somebody like, yeah, let's do a Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm like, why? I'm not American. <laughs> um, do you even understand what it means? But this, I don't know where Elf on a Shelf came from. <laughs> I just take shelfies. But um, <laughs> Is that you sitting on a shelf looking like an elf? No, just me half face <laughs> with the shelves in the background. That's oh. a shelfie. But why, you know, I know that they're saying kind of, understand slightly what elf on the shelf is it to watch to children to make sure they don't get onto santa's naughty list but the elves must stay at the north pole because only gnomes are allowed in the garden <laughs> well i think what life as a good garden was doing was actually they were using it as an example to get kids out into the garden so you put so the elf and, outside yes go and look in the elf is he climbing up your amaryllis stem you know, has he made a hammock between your poinsettias? So they were looking for different examples of using the plants in your garden where the elf could be hiding or watching over the kids. You know, maybe he's sneaking into a treehouse and he's spying from the top and watching out what's going down on the swimming pool, something like that. So mm -hmm. it was almost a, a fun game for um, 
the kids to have in the garden. And sorry, it's not in life as a garden, but when you talk about games for kids, which I thought was one of the estates did it, and they actually did it during lockdown, but it seems to come and go, is people used to paint little rocks. Yeah. And I mean, it's quite a big estate. So when people are going for a walk, then you collect the rock and then you take a photo of it and then you post it on the group and then you go and put it somewhere else. And there's these beautifully painted rocks that represent something in that person's life who painted it. And it's, I mean, it's just a pebble basically. And then they're scattered throughout, you know, the, the, under the trees or in a wheelbarrow within the estates while the guys are working. And then the kids got so involved in going to go and look for these rocks and how many they could find. But the whole point of it was that you took a photo of it, posted on the estates yes. Facebook post, and then went and hid them somewhere else, else. for somebody else to find. It's like a little treasure hunt. Okay, yeah, so treasure I, hunts are good. I, I like think, those. So I think that's Elf in a Shelf is also sort of like a, a treasure hunt. You know, you're searching for the elf or the elf is keeping an eye on you. It's almost like hide and seek. Yes. And I know my niece loves hide and seek. <laughs> my goodness, we play it every time. <laughs> She's around. It doesn't matter what small space we might be in. We might be hiding under a chair or trying to thing, climb yeah. a tree. And I think it's time to get back to the fun of being in a garden or yeah. being in a park or even in your home. You know, if you are stuck in your home, maybe you're hiding behind a palm tree that you put in your office to try and make it healthy for you to work at home. I'm going to hide so. under a palm tree and pretend <laughs> I'm in Bali. <laughs> Give one of those little umbrellas to put in your yeah. cocktail or orange juice there, with some mint. <laughs> white fabric hanging all over the place. Another way to get people out into the parks, of course, is something that I always do. Is, I mean, going on treasure hunting, of course, mm. geocaching is a yes. great thing to do. Yeah, Gets you out and find out more about your area and the history of the area and the geology of the area, which I think is really fascinating. So if you aren't going away, if you need some hints and tips on how to do that, do get hold of us. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, um, for Christmas presents. Yes. What you can do instead of giving somebody a tree is you can actually donate money to – there's various causes in South Africa where you can mm. donate money to them and then they will plant a tree on your behalf. So you can say I'm, – I'm just saying to everybody, they say, what do you want for Christmas? I'm want, I want you to donate money to this organization so that they can plant a tree for me. Yes. And I think that's such a lovely idea. I remember when it wasn't a tree. I think it was when I was still more involved in agriculture. Mm. And it, I don't know how well it went down as Christmas, but everybody laughed about it. Was that like my dad, I gave him a pig and it went to this um, orphanage yeah. that was a farm-based orphanage. And so they needed a pig and they were going to look after it for the year. Did they and call it know, Peter Piggy? <laughs> exactly. That type of thing. <laughs> and my, my dad actually quite loved it. And, you know, my mom got a chicken and... My brother, he got, you know, school books, but actually the school books went to somebody else. So I think the idea of gifting, it was almost kind of like re-gifting, but to yeah. people who really needed something. Paying it forward. And I think at this time, this year, you know, there's probably a lot of people who are in desperate need. Yeah. But I do love the idea of planting trees, you yeah. know, so oh, I think I'm, about my that. Christmas shopping is sorted. <laughs> people in desperate need as well. There's also, I mean, we must get him in sometime, is Tim Abar from mm -hmm. the Ubuntu Project. If you buy a box of vegetables from him, and he's on online um, on Facebook as well, he, I think it's like 300 rand or 350 rand for a box of veggies. But of that, you're not just paying for that. He takes the money and he puts together a starter kit and he will go to a home for a needy family and help them plant a food garden at their house. Oh, and you wow. will then be sponsoring that. So you get some really good farm fresh veggies from the people yeah. in his co-op. And then you're paying it forward to help somebody else feed themselves as well. Oh, These are just ideas stunning. for Christmas presents. Yes. Yeah. And if all else fails, any kind of plant is always a wonderful Christmas gift yep. because they're living. You know, so they just keep it's kind of like reminding you of the friendship that you have or the family yeah. ties that you have. And 
they're just I think something to give something that's living and maybe not so materialistic all the time yeah. is a good reminder at this time of the year. So stay away from the malls, get out into your garden, <laughs> share yes. your plants, share your knowledge and share your specificity for particular plants as well. Oh, that's yes. a nice word, isn't it? Yes. yes. I think it might be kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much. And, oh, thank um, you. I don't know if we're going to get to see you before Christmas comes, but so I would like to, in advance, just wish you and your family a very, very merry one. Thank you very much. What should we say? Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I like that too. (laughs) And um, we will see you again. Um, People who are going away, don't forget, of course... Get somebody to come and look after your plants, especially if they're indoor ones. Yes, plant sitters. Yeah, <laughs> you can get them now as well. Just make if you've yeah. got somebody looking after your dogs and cats, make sure that they look after your plants as well. Because of course, Very especially important. if you have a millennial at home or a, a, a Gen, a, what are they Gen Z now? Gen Z. Yeah, because I'm, I mean, I'm going to be looking after so many plants now over the Christmas season while my children are away. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to become a plant parent. I'm a plant parent. There we go. Oh, I've got lots of plants anyway. All right, but thank you so much. It's always an absolute pleasure to have you in here with us. And uh, we'll catch up with you again. Remember, everybody, get on the garden, but above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.